Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Duck Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about content a little bit. A little bit about how much content to publish within the first six months, dealing with the quality of the content and a good strategy to proofread and improve the content, especially if you have a writer or writers helping you out, plus a little bit on informational content as well. As normal, I will ramble on, tell a couple stories, but I'm going to I'm going to save that until a little bit later. I know people are just going to fast forward through some of it, so I'm going to make it harder to find. However, I do need to give a shout out to the sponsor of the show. Ezoic is a partial sponsor and they bring you the site speed accelerator. The site speed accelerator helps your site load faster. It increases the website speed, the load times, and it will improve your Google page speed insight scores by using image optimization, lazy loading, CSS rendering, and all that good stuff. It's a standalone product and there's a seven day free trial. They actually guarantee an 80 or higher on the Google PSI, the page speed insight score after one week with the site speed accelerator. Now here's a tip. You should get your site loading as fast as possible before you get started with SSA. Someone emailed me the other day and they were like, hey, my site loads in about nine and a half to 10 and a half seconds. Will it help out? And the answer is yes, it'll probably help. But if your site's loading in nine and a half seconds or 10 seconds, then it's very slow. There's some problems. You need to fix those problems before you try to optimize. Otherwise, you're just sort of patching up patching up a giant hole with a little bit of gum. So I told the person to try to do things on their own before using any sort of optimization tool. So make sure your hosting plan is sufficient for the traffic. Don't have a bunch of WordPress instances on your hosting account. Yes, I know that a lot of hosting companies have unlimited websites that you could host on the one account, but you don't have unlimited memory and you don't have unlimited CPUs. And every time you install another WordPress website, it'll slow your site down quite a bit, all of them. So get rid of the unnecessary plugins, make sure you're using the right size images, all those classic mistakes that people make. So once you have your site cleaned up, check out the Site Speed Accelerator and it will work with affiliate sites, display ad sites, B2B, B2C, e-commerce, enterprise sites, and whatever whatever you're hosting it on. It, it doesn't matter if it's WordPress or some other CMS. It'll work. And like I said, there's a free seven-day trial. So do check it out. Joe sent me an email question. He said, thanks for the emails. Love reading them and the success stories really uh, drive you on. So that's awesome. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad you're appreciating those episodes. The question is this. I have, let's see, he says, a question I have for you. So here's the question. This is what he's trying to say. How much content would you recommend writing in the first six months? I have 39 articles ranging from 1,500 words to 5,000 words, and a decent amount of them are KGR, and they're beginning to rank, and the site is 10 weeks old right now. I'm eager to get proof of concept that I'm doing the right things, but I appreciate that I may need to write more to get a good sample size. So pretty good question here. I did reply back to Joe and let him know. I'm going to give you a long answer here, but the short answer is basically you should publish as much content as you can in the first six months and 
kind of like an ongoing, like if you can continue to publish a lot of content, you will probably get more traffic and subsequently earn more. Now, usually the constraint is time and or money. So I understand if you're looking for a specific you know, number of posts, like how, ma- how many words should I publish? There's no right answer. There's no one answer. If, if you are not constrained by the amount of time and you can just write and you happen to be a writer, if you can write, you know, 5,000 words a day and multiple posts a day, that's going to be fantastic. Now, the thing is, if you're already beginning to rank, and I hope you're beginning to see a little bit of traffic as well, then you're sort of proving that this works already. So it's going to be very gradual. The more you publish, the more traffic you'll get, the more opportunities you'll have to rank. It's just going to work out that you'll have sort of growing traffic. Now, you probably heard me talk about the Google Sandbox, Joe. And in that first month, six months, it's sort of suppressed. Your rankings are a little suppressed. Your traffic are not going to be as high as they could be if that content was published on an existing website that's been around for a few years. That's just the way Google works these days. And rumor on the street is after a year, you may see another bit of a lift. The thing that people don't talk about much is let's say you don't publish anything else from now until you get out of the sandbox. So you have 39 articles and probably you're going to improve in some rankings and your traffic is going to go up. Even if you don't do anything else, it's just gradually going to climb. And when you hit six months, it's probably going to grow a little bit faster. I rarely see, you know, the quote hockey stick growth, but usually you see a significant lift in the slope of the line denoting your traffic increases. So you see, well, things are growing faster. That's good. The thing that people don't talk about is the more work that you put in during that six month or 12 month period, the more it accelerates when you get out of that sandbox. So a great example is Christy, who has been on the show several times. She was a writer by trade and she hired some people to help her out. So she was able to put in a lot more work and had faith that it was going to work out. So she was confident in publishing more and more content, even though she was only seeing a little bit of growth. She was getting a good amount of traffic from Pinterest early on, but over time it shifted over to a huge amount of traffic. I think it's something like 90% at this point is from Google organic search traffic. And she's continued to publish content consistently over time. Occasionally she'll do a content sprint and hire a few more writers, get a little bit more done and publish a lot more content in a shorter time frame, more accelerated compared to her normal publishing schedule. So all that to say, the more work you do ahead of time, the more it's gonna help you out over time you'll see more growth. You'll probably see faster growth. Everything sort of compounds when you, when you do that. So that's why I say publish basically as much as you could tolerate, whatever your constraint is, like do as much as you can. Now, the other portion of this is typically like in my courses, I recommend that people publish 10 to 20 articles, right? 10 to 20 posts, and then start link building and promoting the site. I believe that promoting the site is really important. And if you're able to build relationships and network and 
be sort of a pillar of the community for whatever your niche is, that's going to pay off a lot more than continuing to just endlessly publish content. Yes, I know some people are like, well, I'm publishing content and it seems to be working fine and I don't want to do anything different. Fine, that's great. I'm, I'm not here to convince you that you have to do it. But generally, when you start talking to people who've been around, promoting your site usually is a good idea. And from an SEO standpoint, which is generally where we're coming at this from, backlinks are going to help. Yeah, it takes work. It's going to be a little sloppy and it's a different skill set, 100% versus publishing content. So you'll have to figure out what you want to do. Some people do just publish content and they eventually either decide, hey, I'm not going to try and build links or yes, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to struggle through it. Perhaps I'll hire someone early on to help me work through some of the process and then I can perhaps emulate some of what they're doing. But in my opinion, link building is super important. Any SEO out there is going to tell you that you should take a proactive role in the link building. Sure, there's going to be other people that are telling you not to. There's going to be other people telling you that if you build links, you're at a great risk for you know algorithm updates. But it turns out everyone's at a risk for an algorithm update, whether you build links or not. So when you go research that a little bit, you'll find a lot of people will lose or gain rankings during an algorithm update. And it pretty much doesn't matter if they have natural links or if they have um, links that they went out and built on their own. Keep in mind, I'm not talking about like PBN links or links that you, if you use certain links, you are at a great risk to be penalized. And those are private blog network links and some other links that are, you know, if you go over to Fiverr and you buy a bunch of guest posts for, 30 bucks, that's not good. You're probably going to get penalized from that. So high quality links, going out there, being on podcasts, networking, that's all good stuff. So those kind of links are great. So Joe, my advice to you is figure out like, hey, are you going to be a link building kind of person? Do you want to try and network a little bit? Or are you a pure content publisher and that's all you want to do? So and there's a wide range, right? There's some people, John Dykstra, I don't think he does any active link building out there. He just publishes a ton of content. He's crushing it. Other folks, uh, Ron Stefanski, for some sites, I know he has built a lot of backlinks too, and he's crushing it as well. Me, like I said, I, I think backlinks are pretty important and you know, there's good approaches and bad approaches and I'm experimenting all the time. So a couple of popular episodes recently around link building was with Haro, help a reporter out. So I've been dabbling with that too. And actually I've seen some pretty crazy results so far. So I will share that soon, probably in, I need more data. I need more data and I need to do some more stuff, but it's been pretty cool. And I'm excited to share more with Haro. So if you didn't catch those episodes, there's one where uh, reader Kyle uh, podcast listener, Kyle, he, he was like, Hey, Haro has been working great for me. Here's sort of my process kind of laid it out for me. And then Anthony, he joined me as well and talked about how he's outsourcing it, which was very cool. And then I started dabbling a little bit myself. So there's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's not as overwhelming as I thought, by the way, not as overwhelming. Not, yeah, not even close. So, okay. We do have a voicemail 
coming up. But before that, I do want to mention a new segment, a new Q&A segment that we have. So niche website builders Q&A segment. This is a new sponsor. So you may have heard of niche website builders. They are a one-stop shop, a hands-off affiliate marketing agency, and they're doing awesome. So they kind of came out of nowhere and it's run by affiliate marketers who were scratching their own itch. They basically weren't happy with the services out there. So I asked them and about sponsorship and they were they were into it. So this is a Q&A segment. It's not going to be just a read. We're actually going to have content in here. I get questions all the time about informational content via email and on YouTube comments all over the place. So sometimes people wonder where can I get ideas for informational content and keywords? So a lot of times people end up finding only product keywords like the best ballpoint pen or best journal for bullet journaling, stuff like that. So here's a couple tips around finding informational content ideas and keywords. And by the way, a lot of times I don't even care to do like deep keyword research if I find questions. So that's the first tip. If you can find questions out there that are asked in, well, a place that I just mentioned, YouTube comments, right? So questions are there. You can go to Answer the Public, which is a site that I think you can get three free queries a day. So you could type in a word or a couple words and get questions associated with that topic. Additionally, you can go to Quora, which is just a site with a ton of questions on there. And you could find the niche that you're looking for and just peruse the questions that are there and literally just write content on those topics. Plus, added benefit, the answers are right there already. Another great place to find questions are the, um, well, I guess related questions. So if you Google the term that you're trying to you know, target, like best ballpoint pen, you can start diving in and find related questions in the Google SERPs right there. The more you look at, the more you'll see. Eventually, you'll get to a point where the questions are kind of unrelated and not so helpful. But once you start diving in and seeing related searches and then checking out questions on those related searches, you'll you'll find a ton. That is another area, related searches. So you don't have to go... You don't have to go crazy. Google gives you a lot of information right there. And if you use a tool like the inexpensive keywords everywhere, then you can see that very easily on the SERPs right there. Additionally, I like to look for just how-to content related to the niche. So if you're using a keyword research tool, like a more classic keyword research tool, like KW Finder or Longtail Pro or something like that, you can put in your seed keyword and just filter for any of the keywords that have how to in it. And then of course you can write that content. So when, when you are sort of stuck, don't think about the products as much as the audience. So you can think about topics that the audience is interested in versus like just looking at products. And I think that is the big issue that people run into many times. They they're just sort of stuck looking at products and thinking about products versus the audience versus how to do a task related to the product. Or again, if you think about the audience and what 
they want to learn how to do, that is a great approach. Okay, so how long should the informational content be? I say about a minimum of four to 500 words for simple questions and some of the how-to sort of topics. Yes, I realize that is pretty short these days, but if you are just looking for a very simple answer to a question, you really don't want to read 2,000 words. Food websites are just notorious for this. And you know, you're looking up a recipe on how to make a cup of hot chocolate. And then there's a thousand fucking words about how hot chocolate is like a really meaningful drink to the blogger. And really you don't care. It's like you open the packet of hot chocolate, mix it with some milk, tastes good, right? I mean, we don't want the life story. So if it's a simple question, just answer the question. All right. Just answer the question. You can make it a lot. You can add more words after you answer the question, but just get to the point. Okay. For the longer content, I would probably average, say, 1,700 words or so. Anywhere between 1,300 and 2,000, give or take, is a great target. And if it's a huge topic like how to brew a specific kind of beer, for example, maybe it's massive. Maybe it's super detailed and it's like 6,000 words with you know every little detail noted. So if it's if it's a topic that requires a lot of words, use a lot of words. If it's a topic that can be answered quickly, just answer quickly. Just get to the point. And finally, some people wonder, can I put product recommendations with affiliate links in how-to content? And how can you do that without being too salesy? And then if you put an affiliate link into how-to content, which we were calling informational, if you have an affiliate link, then does it become a affiliate post? Does it now become non-informational? The answer is yes, you can put affiliate links in your informational content. If you can mention a product that helps someone complete the task, it's your job literally to mention it in the post. People come to your site to solve some problem. And if you can help them do it faster, easier, or cheaper, then you should tell them about the product. And some people just want to buy things. So you can recommend the product. Again, it's totally fine to do and it doesn't make it a you know non-informational post. It's still informational. It's still telling someone how to do it. And you're just telling them about different products that could help them out. And... That's it for this segment. So thanks to niche website builders and they help both investors and individuals build profitable content sites. They provide a fully outsourced approach to content creation, link building, and done for you websites. Of course, they can handle any kind of content and I recommend that at least 50% of your content be informational. And if you're just launching a site, maybe even more to that, more than that, I would go up to potentially 75% informational content to find less competitive keywords. And actually going back to another one of the guests that I've talked to recently is Derek Bingham. And he mentioned really focusing on info content and being helpful in the interview I did with him. And at the time he was making, I think 2,300 bucks per month with about 90 posts. And that was under a year. I think it was about 10 months old at the time. So 
Niche website builders use the same approach on their six-figure portfolios, and their content packages come with a proprietary keyword process written in-house with native English speakers formatted using templates proven to convert and uploaded to WordPress with affiliate links. So all you have to do is hit publish and you can get 10% off or 10% additional content as a Doug Show listener. There's a link in the description that you can check out and you'll be able to head over there and get the discount code. So you'll have to put in your name and email address and then you will get the discount code there that you can use. So definitely want to check it out. And I think I should have noted this earlier, but I'm actually a customer of niche website builders. I'm testing them out. I got back about 20,000 words of content in the last couple of days here, and it's excellent. I literally just took a quick look at it and it's ready to publish. And they have a very cool link building service where they're basically running a, a shotgun skyscraper whole campaign for you. So they'll write the content and then they'll go out and solicit those links. I'm just starting with that. So I don't have any results to share, but basically it removes all the headache of actually going and doing a shotgun skyscraper technique. It's beyond the scope of, you know, this, this episode here to describe what that is. But in a nutshell, you have a piece of awesome content that epic content and you find people that may want to link to it and you send out emails in a shotgun style. You've heard me probably complain about it, getting those emails, but turns out they work. I just don't want to send them. And I honestly, it's, it's a very cheap rate um, for what they're doing. So I am happy to, to pay it and, you know, work with niche website builders and thanks for checking out their Q and a segment. Very cool. Very cool. As promised, we do have a voicemail. So if you want to send in a voicemail, I love getting them. It breaks up the episode a little bit. I don't have to talk as much. So I'm going to play this one here. Hey, Doug. My name is Matt from uh, LA. And I just recently started a niche site a couple months ago. And I've been going crazy with content, outsourcing, writing myself. In about two and a half months, I've written and outsourced about 50 articles. Now, uh, I was randomly spot checking some of the articles and I noticed quite a bit of them do have some minor slash medium grammatical errors. Uh, My two questions are, how much is that gonna affect my SEO if that's somehow measurable? And my next question is, would it be okay to wait till I get to around 100 articles, maybe in about at the five, six month mark? and then go back and proofread all of them, maybe even hire an editor to proofread and take care of all those errors. Uh, thank you. I uh, love the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. Have a good day. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you leaving the voicemail. Perfect length. Very clear question. I do appreciate that. So a couple things. One, great Great job taking action and like doing a lot of work. Sounds like you've put in a lot of hours and probably hired a handful of writers to do that work for you. So what I would do is as soon as possible, just start improving it. So that's just my own preference. I think you could wait until you get a hundred articles and then turn someone loose to, you know, go through 
and proofread. And I mean, really, if you just use Grammarly, you probably can get most of the issues taken care of and it'll automatically correct that for you. I think waiting would be okay. But I would say the sooner you get on top of it, the sooner people will appreciate reading your site. And the fact that the errors are there on your site, that means that people are reading it and they're like, oh, does this person know what they're talking about? The quality um, is not so great. Should I trust the content here? So from that, I am inclined to tell you to improve it as soon as possible. Now, the thing is, I've gone through, um, I recently acquired a site and I improved um, and basically just checked and proofread all the articles that were on there. I think there were like 25 or 30 and the rankings went up and traffic went up after I made those improvements. Could it have been a fluke and related to something else? Sure. I, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't a, it didn't correspond with a specific Google algorithm update, but sure, there could have been some other stuff in play and it could be like confirmation bias where like I did something and it helped out. And now I'm thinking, Hey, that, that helps out. But I mean, we can assume that Google can uh, tell if there's misspelled words and some grammar issues and that sort of thing. Now, does that mean that Google is ranking sites higher or lower because of the grammar specifically, or is it because of the the user metrics after someone lands on the site and they think, hey, this is shitty and I want to bounce from the site because the content isn't good. Is that more of the factor or the fact that the grammar is an issue and Google's ranking it lower? Well, I don't know. I haven't tested it. I have no idea. But my hunch is if you go ahead and hire someone now, maybe you hire a couple people, test them out. They could probably proofread most of the site in like a couple of weeks. If you have, you know, whatever, 50 posts, um, whatever you mentioned, then you're probably, I mean, you're probably just within weeks of getting that taken care of. Of course, if you go to a hundred articles, sure. Yeah. It would probably just take double the time. So maybe a month or so, depending on how much the person was working on it or how much you work on it. But the fact is it's so quick and fairly straightforward to hire someone to do that proofreading that I would go ahead and take care of it, take care of it ahead of time, get additional momentum. And, you know, if you can afford it, you know, hire someone to go ahead and proofread that stuff. Let's see if I missed anything else in your voicemail here. I think I got it all. Basically, I would go ahead and take care of it now. But if you waited, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You'll be okay either way. I want to tell you about a couple episodes that are going to be coming up here. And I, I, don't think I've talked about the COVID test. So if, you, uh, if you're if you a fan of the show, um, thanks. You probably heard some of the previous episodes where I was traveling a bit. I've been back home for a couple of days and man, it's good to be back home. It was good to visit family and all that. Actually, I really enjoy a road trip as well, but it's really nice to be back home just in the normal environment and have a normal schedule. Like I, I like that kind of the day where I know what to expect and, um, you know, I can get some stuff done. It's pretty nice. So we got back and my wife and I are not sick or anything like that. We feel fine. We were as careful as we could be as we were traveling, wearing masks all over the place. Whenever we went to a gas station, I probably used more 
hand sanitizer than I have the rest of my other, other part of my life, just really trying to stay clean, washing my hands all the time, all the normal stuff. And, um, basically we, we, um, have the ability to get a COVID test. My wife works at a company where we can get tested and they were actually doing some today. And I was a little nervous because I've heard, oh, you know, it's so painful. They put the swab way up your nose, which they do, but it wasn't so bad. And I also got a, a some blood drawn. Again, we feel totally fine. But as we were traveling, we were like, ah, oh, you know what? There's a test coming up and it'll be good to be tested. So, you know, if, if we somehow are asymptomatic, then we can quarantine as needed. But additionally, like I'm probably going to go hang out have uh, some beers with people this weekend, which is fantastic. But also I, I just traveled and I'm like, ah, it's probably most responsible for me to, you know, get a test if I can, which I had the ability to. So curious folks, you could send me an email. Let me know. Have you, uh, have you had the COVID test? So they get this, you know, small little uh, swab and they stick it way up your nose and they'll, they'll say, Hey, it feels like we're tickling your brain. And that's uh, fairly accurate, I would say. Felt a little tickly. My eyes watered just a little bit, but it wasn't like a super painful experience. It didn't feel like really good, but I actually got that done as my wife was having blood drawn like nearby. So she was like, hey, how did it feel? And I described it like putting a Q-tip in your ear, a little like just a little farther than maybe you should, but it feels good. I mean, I like to put a Q-tip in my ear. I know you're not really supposed to do that, but you know, just to dry, dry it out after a shower or whatever. But yeah, I was like, it's, it was slightly pleasant in a like sadistic kind of way. Not sure. She didn't think so. She found it to be unpleasant uh, around <laughs> just fully unpleasant. No, uh, you know, Q-tip in the ear sort of feelings, but I think that's probably more standard than whatever I described. So we haven't got the results back. I think we will in the next couple hours here, most likely, or first thing in the morning. But I do feel fine, everyone. Feel fine. And I wasn't around anyone, to my knowledge, that uh, had any symptoms or anything like that. And I was wearing a mask you know, all the time, anytime I was around folks, uh, especially indoors, outdoors, you know, if I'm just walking outside, I usually don't wear a mask though. I rarely run into people when I'm walking around outside. So that's my COVID story. couple cool episodes coming up. So I talked talk to Jesse Lakes from Genius Link. That's uh, an upcoming episode. He was doing I guess Genius Link, I don't know who was actually doing the test, but they're doing uh, some experiments on affiliate links. So they tested whether it was beneficial to use choice pages where you know you give the user the ability to check out different affiliate programs, hence the name choice page. The, the user can make a choice. So they ran uh, some tests with a YouTuber to see how it would work out with them. And then... They also checked about using the different affiliate programs for like an international company. So of course, Amazon has their different associates programs and you can geo-target based on the country of origin, based on, I believe the IP address for, you know, wherever someone's clicking over to Amazon. So they see the proper Amazon store. So we go through really the details, the meat of the episode was really about how to run an experiment properly. Now, the super cool thing is 
Genius Link is willing to run some tests for you. So they have the technology with Genius Link to run some pretty sophisticated testing and they're looking for ideas. So if you have a hypothesis about something that you know you think could be beneficial, they can help you out. So pretty cool offer. And I was actually, I was like, Jesse, um, are you sure you want to like just open this up? And he was like, yeah, man, let's uh, see what happens. I think it could be a really cool way to get data and so on. So we get into a lot more of the details, but that's coming up next week. Very exciting. Always fun to talk to Jesse and talk shop. And then I have an interview with Bo. Bo is actually doing pretty good. He has grown his site income from 1200 a month to about 3000 per month and 2300 of that is from Amazon. So the valuation roughly is, you know, something like 75 to 90,000, which is really cool. And we talk about the KGR, we're talking about just in general like how to approach growing a site, increasing the income, increasing the traffic and all that good stuff. So should be pretty awesome to talk to Bo, another person making, you know, I would say 3000 bucks per month for some folks is going to be, you know, income replacement for other people. You know, it's a very awesome way to save some side income, pay off debt, uh, save for your kid's college or whatever you want to do. You go on vacation, you could buy beer with it. Doesn't matter to me, but Episode with Bo coming up should be very awesome. Looking forward to that as well. And as I mentioned before, if you want to leave a voicemail for the show, the number is in the description. So would love to hear from you if you have any specific questions. It's great to go through them and I'll leave it at that. Have a great day out there. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here on my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it and I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.